Good morning. It's May 20th, and welcome to Doing Life, Daily Devotions for Finding Peace in Stressful Times. This is the audible companion to the book of the same name. Today's title is Freedom. If you abide by my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. John 8, 31. Freedom seems like a concept with which most Americans should be familiar. I mean, we are the home of the brave and the land of the free. As citizens of the United States, we enjoy freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of the press, freedom of association, freedom from taxation without representation, and freedom of travel, among others. So, we ought to get it right. Why then do you suppose so many Christians have trouble understanding our opening quotation from Christ himself? Jesus says not only that the truth shall make us free, but he also says that he is the truth, John fourteen six. How does he make us free, and free from what? Steve Brown, in his fabulous book, A Scandalous Freedom, opens with a story from the 2000 presidential election. A reporter noted to Joe Lieberman, the Democratic vice presidential candidate, that many of his views seemed not too different from the Republican presidential candidate, George W. Bush. Joe laughed and said that was like saying there's no real difference between the taxidermist and the veterinarian, because in both cases, they give you your dog back when they're finished. Steve's point in relating the story is that the freedom experienced by most Christians today is as different from what Christ meant by freedom as the difference between a stuffed dog and a real dog. Many who grew up in Christian homes, attended Sunday school, maybe even attended a Christian school, were encouraged by their parents and well-intentioned teachers to become more obedient, more pious, more holy. They wanted us to witness to the world about the way life should be lived. Steve Brown notes that you might have been told that freedom really just meant you were free to be good and that grace is good, but you shouldn't take advantage of it. You were held to a higher standard, and pretty soon freedom didn't feel very free. It felt more like restraint and struggle to toe the line. Somehow, people had you believing that you could live up to heightened expectations because with Christ's strength, you could do all things, Philippians 4.13. All you had to do was be a Christian, and you'd become a super saint. When you finally figure out that you're human and a sinner, it can come as quite a blow, disillusioning, in fact. Had we just taken Christ's word at face value, we might be enjoying that true freedom instead of trying to walk our stuffed dog. Freedom means exemption or liberation from control of some other person or some arbitrary power. Christianity is not about obeying the rules, doing religious things, and being nice to people. Christianity is about, well, Christ. Go figure. Somehow many believers have gotten it in their head that freedom doesn't mean that you are free to do whatever you want. Well, actually, it does. That's exactly what it means. Otherwise, you aren't truly free, and you're trying to follow a set of rules just like, oh wait, that's right, just like they tried and failed for 2,000 years in the Old Testament. Paul teaches that people have a choice. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial, not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others, 1 Corinthians 10:23. They really are free to do as they choose. But some choices are better than others. We tend to teach new Christians not to a lot. We tell them not to curse, not to do this or that, or they might weaken their witness. Really? 
When Paul was faced with this issue with regard to eating meat sacrificed to idols, he told them to do whatever they wanted, but they might consider action that would not be offensive to others. Hypocrisy is what spoils witness. Pretense is what spoils witness. False piety is what spoils witness. Steve Brown writes that living your life with such joy and freedom that it disturbs uptight Christians is exactly what will draw the seeker to Christ. Freedom, for the one who has accepted the gift that none of us deserved, means that God loves us no matter what we do or don't do. His love for us is unconditional, like your love for your own child, Romans 8.1. But the more we experience his grace, the more we understand his love for us, and the more we will want to please him. That means that while we are free from the bondage of sin, free from the law, free from guilt and shame, we will gradually discover that we just don't want to sin. That is the beauty of the indwelling Holy Spirit, the helper Christ promised to send each of us. Christians, unfortunately, have somewhat of a reputation for being cold, critical, judgmental, and sometimes downright mean. Christians who act that way either don't understand their faith or aren't really people of faith to begin with. This is the opposite of what our Lord wanted when he said his followers would be known by their fruit. It is the opposite of what Paul teaches us about the fruit of the Spirit. Perhaps we don't live free because many of us don't believe in a God who loves us enough to give us our freedom. The Christian who acts judgmentally, criticizing others, whether believers or not, clearly missed the message behind Matthew 7.1, and furthermore, lacks even a rudimentary understanding of the freedom we have been granted by grace. As you think about what it feels like to be truly free, maybe think about not trying so hard to be better. We try to be more loving, more compassionate, more understanding over time, but consider asking your spouse how that's working for you. Sanctification in our own strength leads to disappointment and frustration. If you improve in one area, you get prideful. If you fail in another, you get self-absorbed. John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, realized after years of attempted self-improvement in terms of piety that he had made no improvement whatsoever. The end result was that he became much easier to live with. When you finally give up, you stop being so focused on yourself. Nip your obsession with self-improvement in the bud and start getting obsessed with Jesus. We had a pastor once who focused an entire sermon series on the beauty of believers who were free to dance through life, rather than march to a strict set of rules. The gospel frees us from obsessive concentration on commitment, attempts to be good, spiritual disciplines, correctness, and moral judgment of ourselves and others. The Christian moralist has been duped into believing our righteousness comes from good behavior. Our righteousness is the perfect righteousness that Christ passed to us on the cross. It is that imputed righteousness that is irreversible and makes us free. We can come before the creator of the universe perfectly holy, not because we never sin, but because on this side of the cross, God has removed our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. Psalm 103.12. That, my friend, is called freedom, and that leads to both joy and peace. Either we give up trying so hard to be good, or we become very unhappy indeed. C.S. Lewis What then? Shall we sin because we are no longer under the law but grace? Certainly not. Romans 6.15 Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you are free indeed. John 8.36 Dear Heavenly Father, 
When will we ever really learn what your son meant when he said on the cross, it is finished? Christ has taken our sin on himself and left us pure as the driven snow. And only faith achieves this, not effort. Holy Spirit, help us to avoid both judging others and ourselves for not behaving in the way that we think we should. Instead, help us concentrate on our understanding of and relationship with your son. How much more freeing, how much more joyous is dance than lockstep? Amen. We'll see you tomorrow.